Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. We're in this series. We do at least one time a year. I do a series on uh, really what it is is on doctrine, except if I said that, you probably wouldn't come. Uh, it, it, we look at uh, biblical truths, doctrines that are uh, really come from our questions. If you look in the New Testament, two-thirds of it is really written to address situations or to answer questions that people had. And so that's how uh, we learn best. And so I'm going to do something today. I'm not going to get to everything, uh, be able to answer it in great detail. Uh, but there are some things I'm going to be able to get to. And if I don't get to your question, uh, you can email me uh, or just info at timberlakechurch.com and either myself or one of the staff will get back to you. Uh, you know, it's, when we think about questions, I think about kids, uh, and I came across answers to homework and tests that kids have, and I thought these were sort of uh, funny. Uh, what ended in 1896? 1895. Uh, now, that's probably not the answer that uh, the teacher was looking at, but it is correct. Uh, this one, imagine that you lived at the same time as Abraham Lincoln. What would you say to him or ask him? I'd tell him not to go to a play ever. It's a little macabre, but again, it's true. Uh, and then uh, this one, I think my mom should do less of this, drink wine. <laughs> Mommy loves to get that one back. And uh, this one, the diagram best illustrates, and it talks about the different theories of evolution. Uh, and you see the giraffes there. There's one giraffe there that's asleep, dying, and then that one, the skeleton of a giraffe. And this child uh, wrote in their own answer, E, giraffes are heartless creatures. <laughs> Uh, kids, what I love about kids is they're unfiltered. They just say, hey, uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. So what I want to do, I want to do it in a respectful and as kind of way as possible, is give you biblical answers from my understanding uh, of the scripture, and I've been at this a while, uh, what God would say to us. And we're going to hold up the ideal of all this as we live uh, in the real See, we're called to use our minds. It says in Mark 12, 30, love the Lord your God, and this is your first scripture, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, will you underline that? And with all your strength. See, I think it's important that we engage with our heart, that we're emotionally connected to God, that we have passion, but I've seen it again and again in people's lives. I even see it in churches where that's a sole focus. The product is if people don't engage at some point with their questions, they walk away from faith. And that is a, a casualty that doesn't need to happen because God has uh, something to say to us. And you might say, hey, Ben, I don't have any questions, so why even worry about this? Well, my guess is you know people who have questions, uh, and we're told in 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts always revere Christ as Lord. Okay, we get that. And it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this, now get this, with gentleness and respect. Uh, we're called to be gentle and have respect, but also to have an answer uh, where we can have an answer. 
but here's what you need to know in advance about your questions. I'm going to go through this. This is important for us to consider, is that you need to decide, you may have to decide, between affirmation of your belief or direction from God. Sometimes we say, I know it's from God if God agrees with me. And I've even uh, got some questions in, and, and it's okay, I get it, where people say, this is what I believe and this is why I'm right. It's like, that's not really a question, so I'm not going to answer those today. Because you've decided, my guess is, probably in light, no matter what information you get, that that's it. But there should be an openness, especially to Scripture. So I push back on that. Jesus did, uh, when he talked to, to some of the religious leaders, he said, hey, you... you uh, Honor your own traditions or your own ideas more than you do God. But know this, number two, on essentials you can know God's will. There's nothing essential to faith that you cannot, uh, that, that you, you can know as a fact. You can know as a fact anything that's essential to faith. Uh, and we're, we're told this in, in the scripture. Uh, we're told in James 1.5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And what this is saying is, hey, no matter what baggage you came in with, God will give you his wisdom if you seek it, and it will be given to you. Number three, recognize there will always be mystery and disputable matters. So as we approach this, you have to to know that. We're even told in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, for now uh, we see only as a reflection, as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know, and the then is talking about when we're with Christ in heaven. I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. So if you have to have everything in black and white, and you believe in no ambiguity, one, you're probably hard to live with, and two, <laughs> uh, you're not going to really engage in a way you should uh, today. There, there are things that are a mystery, and God being uh, infinite and us being finite, it would be inconceivable that we would be able to hold all of that information, and we certainly don't have his vantage point over the world or over human history. And then there's disputable matters. Romans 14, 1, it says, except the one whose faith is weak and without quarreling over disputable matters. You can wonder, but don't quarrel. Uh, the, there are things in the Christian faith where good Christians disagree uh, on how we should move forward. And uh, that, that's just part of it. I, I use the example in our membership class again and again. Uh, alcohol is a big one. It says don't be drunk with wine. It says uh, if I do, I, I don't want to do anything that will cause my brother or sister to stumble. And a lot of people say I don't drink because of that. Other people will point to the Gospel of John. The very first miracle of Jesus was turning water into wine. Yeah, a few of you knew that. Yeah. At 945, believe it or not, a lot more of them knew it because they're, they're drinkers. And the, uh, uh, even on our staff, I don't drink. I did at one point in my life, which is why I don't drink today. And so uh, I don't drink alcohol at all. But uh, you have uh, people like Pastor Jordan, Pastor Shane. They, they drink like a fish. They do. No, they, uh, <laughs> they're, <laughs> I hope that's not true. Uh, so, and then know that obedience trumps information. In fact, I know people who will use, in fact, we all know people. They're called children who will use questions as a ruse, right? How many of you have kids? How many of you have kids? 
Okay, bedtime. Have any of you ever had a kid start to ask you questions at bedtime? And it's because do they have questions? No, they don't want to go to bed. And, and, and this is where I really think some of us, some of us, we're, we're delaying obedience and we're using our questions as a ruse for it. And we'll say, oh, I got to get this. We talked about serving last week. Oh, God, I'll serve. Or uh, uh, what about forgiving? Or uh, giving your financial resources. Those are things that God's super clear on. There's absolutely, it's not great at all about what, when, uh, where. But sometimes we, we're just more honest in saying, I don't want to obey God, instead of saying it's unclear, because it certainly isn't on, in any of those areas. So don't use your questions as a ruse. What I've discovered that if we take that posture, God doesn't really answer our questions much anymore. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. James 1.22, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So I wanted to do this because I, I think we need a biblical framework around our questions. I am going to speak way faster than I normally do. And so you're going to need to listen faster than you normally do. <laughs> uh, because there are so many questions that have been submitted and come in. And as I, uh, I want you to know that you can submit those too. If I'm not going to get those, info at TimberlakeChurch.com. Myself or one of the pastors uh, will answer that. First question is this. How do I know what my God-given talent or purpose is? Uh, here's the only bummer is I, I spent a whole sermon on that last week, so evidently I didn't do a good job. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, if you missed last week, and this was from the, that question was from the week before last, I talked about that. And that there's a spiritual purpose. Everyone should have a ministry uh, in their, their world, but also in the church. And 157 of you signed up to be involved in ministry last week, which I thought was awesome. About 140 who are not currently serving anywhere. And I, again, for a church our size, we have one of the very highest percentages you could imagine uh, of people who are engaged in serving. But I believe it's about our need to be living according to purpose more than it is uh, anything else. Here's another question. Uh, when your roommate has a temper and sins a lot, how do you help but not let her negativity get to me and affect me? Uh, well, you can't because it will affect you. And it says in Proverbs 22 to be careful about when you associate with a person who's constantly angry. And I know that many of us uh, struggle with that. I know I certainly have. And if your roommate doesn't know Jesus, that would be maybe uh, help, help her uh, to know faith. Another question. Why are uh, so many wars, why so many wars in the name of religion? Uh, angry roommates primarily? No. <laughs> uh, people will use anything to justify their behavior. You know that, right? So some people will use faith. Uh, to do that. And I would say most wars come out of sin. So I, that's what I would say. And this is where some Christians would uh, disagree. I am not a pacifist. And for biblical reasons and also very practical reasons. Uh, many of you know I come from a Jewish background. And in Europe, the, for the six and a half million Jews who were killed, the pacifism did not work very well. And uh, in fact, uh, I think sometimes it is immoral not to get involved when something's happened. I have friends who are Cambodian, who was raised in an area where there are a lot of Cambodian people, 
and the world watched while half the population was murdered. And so, uh, I, I am not a pacifist. In the Bible, I think there's a just war doctrine. Some of you who would come at a Catholic background uh, would say that. I'm not saying war in general is usually just, uh, but that one. So that, those are sort of heavy. Let me get one of the ones you've... <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, no, there's you know, some are just like... Uh, uh, Asking technical questions about the TV, which is great, but I probably <laughs> have more. Uh, why are different versions of the Bibles used uh, by churches? So, uh, oh, this is uh, one that's uh, from, yeah, th th this is from someone who's online, and uh, they put this. Uh, probably uh, people just have one that's a preference. Most versions of the Bible. Uh, it's not like there's the correct and incorrect version. There's uh, Bibles that are a literal translation, word from word. That'd be the New American Standard Bible. That, by the way, is probably not the best way to translate the Bible, in my opinion. There's a more thematic of what does that scripture say. The Bible was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And you'd find that the New International Version, but it's taken from the original text. That's why I use almost exclusively, not always, because sometimes there are other versions that would best, uh, better stay that. And then there's paraphrases. Uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about the version of the Bible you use, except some of you still have that hangover guilt uh, from maybe grandma taught you that the King James Version was the only good version of the Bible. And that's not true. One, it wasn't even taken from the original languages at all. So it's probably in some ways the, uh, the least accurate. The New King James Version is much more accurate. Uh, but because it's in language we don't understand, we think it's more holy. And it's, it's not, it's just less uh, understandable uh, than that. Okay, here's another question. Uh, why, uh, why is the God of the Old Testament different from the God of the New Testament? really isn't. Sort of like a book. Uh, imagine a book that you're reading and you read the first half of the book. You would, it's an incomplete picture. In the Old Testament, and I've talked about this I think in the last few weeks, uh, that God shows grace to the nation of Israel, not because of who they were, but because he chose as an example of how through no merit of their own, he would show grace and favor. And he told them that you will be a blessing to all nations, and that was an example. And then yet grace came through Jesus Christ as a person offered to all. And so it's the unfolding story of God, although we see grace in the Old Testament as well, even outside of the nation of Israel. So uh, it, it's really the unfolding history more than anything else. Let me uh, get to some of your questions. Uh, oh, does the Bible give direction? Uh, uh, is cremation acceptable? Uh, some would say uh, that uh, cremation isn't acceptable. Uh, I, I really, as I look at it, the Bible says the, the body and the soul separate, uh, so uh, you don't have to worry about you get a new body, sort of like a real buff tan one, and uh, at least that's what I'm assuming, uh, so uh, we get uh, a new body in heaven, and some of you are like, I, you know, I'm 23 years old, I don't want a new body in heaven, some of us are older than that, and we're saying, okay, thank you, Lord Jesus, <laughs> that I get a new one. Uh, what is the Christian position on Islam? 
Uh, well, there's no, it, it's sort of, it, there's no, you, you have to go back to uh, who God is. There's another question actually that was pre-submitted. Maybe, uh, may, maybe I'll wait a little bit for that. But God says who he is. And uh, Islam is, it, you know, we, we look at that because of a lot of terrorism today, obviously all over the world in the name of Islam. Uh, but it's Islam belief about God that is incorrect, that does not accurately represent who God is and how he operates. That's, that's sort of the biblical posi- position. And yes, that's true about any other faith system. So all faith systems claim they're right. Islam certainly claims that, that everything else is, is, is damnable. And so you just need to figure out which one is true. If you're talking about how you should treat people of different faiths with gentleness and respect and love at all times. Uh, it, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't, and I would contend you shouldn't agree with some of the, uh, the doctrines uh, about that, especially, you know, uh, and we could get into all of them, you know, how, how, how Christianity, view, the view of women is radically, radically, radically different. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't have enough time for the rest of that. Oh, gosh, talk about enough time. This is a long question. The, uh, <laughs> why is it that I seem to hear that if I don't believe in God and accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, that I won't be taken into heaven? It seems odd to me that I can live a life with an even higher moral fortitude than most would consider themselves Christian and accept the wisdom of the teachings within the Bible so that my values and integrity are in alignment. Yet I won't be accepted into heaven. I find it odd that uh, someone who supposedly believes in God can live a life fraught with much more sin, yet be forgiven while I'm relegated to the depths of hell for having doubts while living a life with stronger moral and ethical uh, compass. It would also seem that God must have an ego larger than any other and not be as forgiving as one would believe. Uh, Can you go back? I can't. You're you're actually doing a good job. Okay, uh, as one would be made to believe, and then go to the next one, requiring one to acknowledge him so regally and be constantly praised when living a life in alignment with the morals and values would seem to be the most important. If you were able to understand all of that, you're likely want to paraphrase <laughs> if you happen to use it. Uh, smiley face, LOL. So, the, uh, uh, so, you know what I love about this question is, one, obviously it's that sort of respectful dialogue, but intentional intellectual dialogue and spiritual dialogue, which I think people should have. Uh, but it's a real question. So, so that is a long question. Uh, here, here are some of the answers to it. If you think God's number one agenda is sin management, then I could see how you would come to that conclusion. The idea is, uh, I'm better than you are. And by the way, how do we judge how good good enough is? It's how good I am, right? And then you look at the person next to you and say, oh, not quite as good, and I'm better. But good enough in comparison to who? Well, in comparison to Pol Pot or Adolf Hitler, I'm pretty good. How about Billy Graham? He tells people about Jesus. Well, how about Mother Teresa who gave her life? Well, because actually Billy Graham and Mother Teresa would say that their goodness was not good enough. So they would say that about So if, if God's ultimate purpose is sin management, then I would probably agree with you, but his ultimate purpose is that you would be in relationship with him, that you would understand what it means to live as his child, that you would be in community with him. And sin is the barrier from that. 
And so God, he, he wants to take the junk of our lives and he wants to uh, make us uh, holy and pure and forgiven. And well, how can that happen? We can't do it on our own. And so God being both just and holy made a way as Jesus paid the price, as, as he said, that one, I will take it all on me even though I never committed sin. So Jesus made a way to the Father, but the ultimate is having that relationship with God. And so that's why that is so important. And it's only through Jesus Christ. Because otherwise we're, I mean, how we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Now, uh, other parts of that question uh, were, what about my doubts? Well, your doubts don't keep you from God. I mean, you look at uh, the centurion who came up to Jesus and uh, he had wanted Jesus to perform a miracle and he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And what does Jesus do? He, he says to everyone, and, and this guy is not a good Jewish religious person, he says, now that's real faith. In all of Israel, I haven't found faith like that. That's faith. Yeah, he, he had some doubts, but he had enough faith to take a step towards Jesus. And that's really what it comes to. And then think about it. If you said, I don't want to be with God for eternity, and God said, no, you're going to be with me. That, that's just controlling. So if you don't want to go to heaven, God will honor your request. Uh, me, I'm sort of, I'm a, I want to go there. <laughs> And, but I want God's presence right now. So that's the why. It's actually sort of a long answer, but let's face it, it was a long question <laughs> as well. Uh, uh, let's, oh, does sin affect stress? Uh, it, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because especially when we try to hide our sin, it's sort of stressful. Uh, and it, it's just like when your car's out of alignment, so I had, I mean, I had a lot of, you know, I, I grew up in Tacoma driving old junky cars, and uh, every once in a while I'd have a car out of alignment, but I couldn't afford to get it fixed. And we were trying to drive a car out of alignment, sort of, especially when you've gone off-roading or something like that. Uh, it just is, takes a lot of effort when you're living your life out of alignment with God. And maybe if you find yourself in a lot of stress, I'm not saying this is always the case, but it is a substantial portion of the time, maybe... Have you considered that your stress is being caused because God has a better way for you to live? Okay, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to get like a few more of these in. Uh, how do you reconcile the facts of evolution with a belief in creation? Oh, that, that one should only take a couple of seconds. The, uh, well, uh, one, I would say, let, let me point you to, I did a message last summer called Deep Water Faith, where I spent 30, well, not 30, I won't want to lie, I spent 43 minutes on this topic, uh, and uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Here's where I push back a little bit, the facts of evolution, which facts? Because there are facts of evolution, some Christians don't like this. There's evolution within species, for sure, we certainly see that. I think that's almost un undeniable. For example, humans, depending on their environment, they might have more or less hair. Uh, as in the, so that Now, trans-species evolution is a debatable matter where sort of the, uh, uh, the, you know, the chihuahua becomes a monkey or something like that. Uh, 
and I know, but there are, there are actually people of high intellect. And my wife, is uh, her education uh, is in biology, and so she geeks out and loves this stuff because uh, she, she is someone who wouldn't believe in that. And many other uh, people have come uh, to question that. So there is definitely that. There are four views, uh, real quick, four views that you can hold when it comes to this. One is short earth creationism. Uh, and this would say, hey, I sort of added up all the years in the Bible and the earth is like 5,000 years old or something like that. And so God created it in, in that. Now, there are some who would say, hey, that's, that's it. And other people would say, we, that's just that's intellectually infeasible because we have dating of materials which would say, of course, things are older than that. And, and those who are shorter creationists on a more intellectual perspective would say, but it was created with age attached to it. For example, when Adam, and it talks about Adam, it doesn't talk about him as a baby. That he was born with age already attached to it. And see, my belief is this, is God could have created things over 200 billion years or two seconds. Uh, and then there's uh, what would be old earth creationists. And I know people sort of get mad on this. This is probably more the camp that you'd find me in. That I believe God is a, a creator, but as I understand biblical language, and that's why I think it's good to, to, not everyone, you can understand the Bible in English, but I think it's good that your leaders sort of studied the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic. And so they would have a, a knowledge that some of the words, like aeon, is actually speaks not only about a day, but an age. And, and Bible, the Bible will We'll talk about that, that it's an, a day in God's sight, not necessarily our sight. But still, God superintends and he's the creator. And then there's what I'd call theistic evolutionists, who would say there was the evolutionary process as those in the scientific community, uh, some of those, not all, would understand it. But God superintended that process. And, uh, and then there's non-theistic evolutionists, who would say, yeah, you know, there's, there's evolution and there's no God in it. I think the only position that you probably really couldn't be a Christian, or actually probably a Jew or a Muslim, and, and, and hold would be non-theistic evolution. Uh, but, it, it, so, so you might wonder about that. You take someone uh, like Francis Collins, who headed up the Human Genome Project. Probably, when he knows about genetics, arguably, maybe there's no one on the earth who's ever known more than he does about that. And he went from an atheistic perspective to a theistic and actually became a Christian as he got deeper into the science, he, he just thought it was intellectually inconceivable that there wouldn't be a creator God. And, and he came to name that creator God as Jesus Christ. So here's someone, you know, you got to say, if you say, well, I'm a scientist, I, I, here's how I'm pushing back, is maybe on that area, he might know a little bit more than you. And he came to that perspective. Or take Anthony Flew, who before there was Stephen Hawking, the best known uh, atheist arguing on college campuses uh, around the world, and he can, and I, this is something I have total respect for. He, he passed away. But before he passed away, based on what emerging discoveries in the universe and in science, he said he could no longer hold to the view that he had purported uh, and that he had taught for so many years. He said he couldn't believe that there would be a non-theistic 
uh, evolution. That No, that there was a God. I don't think he ever named Jesus Christ. But that God would be uh, involved in that. So again, that was a, uh, if you want to hear 40 more minutes on that, you can hear, hear that online in the series uh, Deep Water Faith. So let me look. Those are, those are like really good questions. Uh, okay. Uh, gosh, there's so many here. Uh, oh, you, you talked last week. Okay, you talked last week about that being a safe place. Can you expound on that, this being a safe place? It, it means that none of us are perfect. Uh, we want... Uh, we all come with a level of sin in our life, and it's okay to work through that. In fact, I think if, if, if we're all trying to impress each other, we'll never, uh, we'll never work through, uh, through that. Uh, let, let's go to uh, the next question up on the screen. <laughs> That's another short one. Are we chosen or do we have free will? Uh, uh, so people ask this question uh, a, a number of times in different ways. Uh, some people have the view, uh, and a, a number of your questions were like this, and, and I get this, you were taught this way. I would say I disagree, and it's really from my understanding of scriptures. Uh, uh, some of you, it's the view that everything is predetermined. Uh, everything, and by the way, someone asked the difference between Christianity and Islam. This would be a differentiation. We don't believe in kismet, fate. That is not a Christian concept. So uh, even someone said, hey, I know God has already chosen our next president. And you, you, know, you believe that God makes all those uh, decisions uh, in advance. And uh, it's, uh, don't, don't blame God for whoever's elected. <laughs> I don't think he wants the credit. And so the, uh, I'm sorry. But the... Uh, so there's, there's really, if you understand God's, I believe God is sovereign and his will is accomplished, always, without exception. The only exception is, look at it th this three ways, is there's the providential will of God, God's plan for the universe, that will be accomplished, there's nothing you can do, he, that is going to, he is going to, history is going to move forward towards the end, he is predetermined. There's a moral will of God, well God doesn't want us to sin, but we do sin, so obviously we have some choice in that. And then there's the personal will of God, where I get to choose if I participate with God. Uh, it's sort of like on a ship that's going somewhere. I can go all around on the ship, if you've ever taken a cruise, uh, but the ship is still going to go uh, where it's, it's going to go. And so, uh, yes, God, God is sovereign, uh, but yes, we have a choice uh, in the process. Here's another question. What if you believe in Christ, but also in another higher power? Uh, the Bible would say that's probably not a good thing. That's called syncretism, where we take, it's sort of like the smorgasbord. You ever, you ever go to those, I went to one growing up, my dad used to love uh, to eat at uh, all those all-you-can-eat places, and you get to pick and choose what you like and leave what you don't like. And a lot of people view uh, faith this way. Here's what you need to know, is that dishonors every faith system. You're dishonoring Buddhists and Hindus and uh, 
people who belong to the Unity Church and Christians and Jehovah's Witnesses and Taoists. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm forgetting. But because that's saying this is good and that's bad. And somehow you know enough about all of it to make that decision. Uh, I find this, especially with people who say, oh yeah, I think I'm a Buddhist. It's like, no, you're not. Do you really know the tenets of Buddhism? Pro probably not. And if they, they would shock you, maybe, if you wanted uh, to, to live by them. And so, the, it's called syncretism. God says in, in Exodus chapter 20, I am the Lord, have no other gods before me. So, what you need to say is, is he the real God? And uh, can he accurately express his will, have no gods before me? Or is he false? And so, I would say God is God. doesn't mean, you know, someone may have from other faiths. It's not like uh, every concept in that faith is bad, but how it represents God, I would say, would be inaccurate. So, let's say uh, in uh, Buddhism, it talks about loving people. Well, I'm for that, aren't you? Uh, here, here's a, another question. Uh, Trinity, <laughs> these are like, you guys aren't letting me off the hook, are you? Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, is this one entity? Why then do we say God gave his only Son? The way to the Father is through me. Two entities. Okay. Uh, this is, again, you know, I'm giving you quick theology. Genesis 1.26 for Jews is a very perplexing verse because it says, let us create man in our image. By the way, uh, Genesis 1 and 2 are uh, uh, two different ways of viewing the creation account. We can get into that some other time. Uh, because in Deuteronomy 6, it's, uh, the, a tenet of Judaism, actually of Christianity and Islam, is that there is only one God. Yet, there's this sense that God is present in more than one way. In fact, uh, those of you from a Catholic background, the Council of Nicaea, the Nicene Creed, it, it's all about this, this, this idea of uh, homoousis, that there is one essence of God, yet presented differently. And so, uh, you find uh, this uh, throughout the Scripture. In fact, in, uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, Jesus says, last thing he says to his followers, he says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, which is a sign of consecration to God, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so you see that being represented. And elsewhere he says, I and the Father are one. And so, so it's a harder doctrine to get to, but it is definitely there uh, in the scriptures. Uh, I'm almost out of time. Let's see if there's one... Uh, uh, that is easy. Gosh, you guys are not. None of these are like two-second answers. Why did you switch from Coke to Pepsi? Uh, sponsorship agreement, basically. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah. So, I, I, oh, can women be leaders in the church? Uh, again, there are people with different uh, viewpoints on that. Uh, I, I would say yes. I mean, and that's definitely true uh, at, at uh, Timberlake. We don't have quotas, though, you know, like so many men and so many women and, and all of that. Uh, some people would go to the teaching of Paul where he says, I don't allow uh, women to speak in church. And you're like, okay, well, hey, that's pretty darn clear, right? Uh, 
But uh, many would say, well, in the historical context, that's really talking about these Jewish men who had married pagan women, and they were, they were, bringing, they were actually promoting other gods in service. And then they'd say, you look at, like, in the, uh, back even in the Old Testament, there was Deborah and uh, Baruch, and Baruch was a military leader of Israel, but in the book of Judges, Deborah was a spiritual leader of Israel. And uh, you would even say Priscilla and Aquila. So uh, Priscilla was a woman, Aquila was a guy. Order matters in the New Testament. And so this is not just a, like a, and, and Christians can disagree on this. By the way, this is one of those disputable matters. But, but I, I think if you look at that and it says Priscilla and Aquila, she was leading a church in her household. And uh, so uh, that's uh, my uh, opinion on it. And I'm usually right. The, uh, <laughs> there, uh, you know, I, I wish I had more time, and I don't. Uh, there's some, like I said, it, so many good questions and some that, honestly, I wish I had time for. Here's what I hope I've whetted your appetite for, is to know not, not everything has, there is mystery, not everything's a mystery. There are disputable matters, not everything's a disputable matter. But then when we talk about studying the Bible together, I, you know, hey, just, you read it, you, you know, if, if you say, Ben, I'm not sure what you talked about, the Bible says this, that's great, because we want to grow together. My, my mom, she's uh, 84 yesterday, uh, she, she was what you'd call a follower of more of the New Age movement, spiritualist movement, up until her 50s, and uh, she uh, became a Christian in her 50s, and, and, and she really was radically changed by Jesus. Well, here she's 84 now, uh, she's lost her mobility, her sight, uh, things are not going well physically for her. Her body's shutting down, sort of really hard to see. And I, I go down and I, I see her uh, down in Tacoma where I'm from, uh, and uh, is, I go see her down in Tacoma and I'll bring her usually a latte because they don't serve Starbucks where she lives, and a Pinkabella cupcake or a Top Pot donut because those remind us of the goodness of the Lord. And... Uh, uh, and one of the things we've done more recently, because uh, she can't go to church anymore, is we'll have devotions together. And so as I'm reading through the devotion, and usually they're pretty straightforward. One of them recently, I said, Mom, do you ever wonder about that? And she goes, oh, sure. But I'm, I'm pretty sure Jesus has it figured out. And so I'm going to just need to trust him. And there are some parts of our faith that that's where, where we will be. So I think it's appropriate that we're ending today's service with communion. And communion is where we recognize the deep end of the pool is Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen again on our behalf, taking all our doubts, our fears, our pain, our sin, and questions. And him bringing grace and life to it. So... Uh, what I want to do is a band uh, comes back to the stage is uh, I want to pray and we're going to receive communion together. Lord, I thank you uh, that we can come to you, that we can find grace and hope. God, I, I, I pray for my friends and uh, who they had great questions that I didn't get to today. And God, I pray that either through our staff or, or God, maybe just even through uh, a growth group or your spirit, God, that you would bring just enough resolution to where there could be a step of faith. And God, for some of us, you're calling us to you. 
And if that's you and, and you say, I just want an I want to be in relationship with God. I've, I've worked so hard at the sin management. Know that happens when you invite Jesus in your life. When you say something like this to him. When you say, Jesus, I want you in my life as the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. No matter the words of, that you used, if your heart is in God's direction and you want him to forgive you and to lead you, He'll never cast you aside. And as a reminder of that and what he did for us, we celebrate communion together. God, I thank you for my friends who've taken that step today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.